everyone, and welcome to the Pre-Snap Read, formerly Bet Less, Make More. I'm your host, Michael James, here today talking to you about another team coming off our NFL Power Rankings board at number 27, and I mean 27 with a bullet, a strong team, maybe our most hopeful of anybody so far we've talked about. Today, the San Francisco 49ers. Maybe a bit of a shocker for you, having them ranked above a team like the New York Giants, who we just talked about at number 28. Number five of our five bottom teams. Fact is, 49ers have a chance to put the real hurt on a few squats and improve vastly off of their 2-14 season last year to at least go 6-10, if not better, getting up and around 500 club. There's a lot to talk about on this team. And there is no middle ground. There is great and there is shit. Those are your two spots on this team for this season. And that's typical of a squad that's in transition. They got a lot of work to do yet to get away from what was the Chip Kelly era. Lasted all of a year. The roundhouse of coaches that this team went through, the myriad of bad decisions and unfortunate circumstances, the exodus of players, as we coined it so often, the moment Jim Harbaugh left this team. It has been just shit on top of shit for the last few years now. And with every season, San Francisco goes further and further and further down the rabbit hole to a point where you almost have to wonder, is there any way out? Finally, this team has found its way out. Under the guise of Kyle Shanahan. We want to talk about him and a lot about what he's going to bring and the good things that have happened to this team. We want to finish on the high today, so let's start by talking about the bad and lead to that later. The bad news is that though this team added a lot of key pieces that it needed and has strengthened key areas, schedule, as easy as it is, is not going to favor every single positional group. And it's going to go against the weakest parts of this team. They will face the number two strongest collection of rushing defenses and the number nine passing defenses. That means their offense, rushing or passing, despite how good Kyle Shanahan is as a coordinator, now as a head coach and coordinator, quite honestly, that they're already going to have their share of difficulties. Problems right out of the gate. With their schedule, there are some elite dudes that they're going to have to go against to try even get the ball up and down that field. Carolina, with its front seven, solid players there, particularly at linebacker, with leaders like Luke Kukli, Shaq Thompson. Then you have Seattle, you see twice a year. Arizona, you see twice a year. Solid defenses on both with a lot of key, if not star players like Patrick Peterson and Richard Sherman. Throw Washington in that mix, where their defensive, uh, where that defensive backfield sports one of the better corners in the league in Josh Norman. How about the New York Giants, whose pass defense has a foursome, a fearsome foursome, who we talked about in great detail in Landon Collins, Janoris Jenkins, Dominic Rogers-Cromartie, 
and the sophomore player, second-year player, Eli Apple. Throw in Houston with J.J. Watt. How about Tennessee and Jacksonville and their improved squads? This is what San Francisco's season looks like. There's not a whole lot of ease of schedule when it comes to their offense facing against opponent defenses. And they will have trouble running the ball. They will have trouble passing the ball. It almost wouldn't matter what opponents they had. They were going to have trouble with that anyways. Problems in matching their scheme to their players. Problem in the depth and quality of their players. They tried to go out and get a quarterback. The big rumor that kept getting passed around early in the offseason was Kirk Cousins. That San Fran and Kyle Shannon's trying to find a way to get a hold of Kirk Cousins. Can we get him here? Didn't happen. I don't know that they necessarily mortgaged the farm on that idea, but under the radar, it seemed like that was the major focus. Colin Kaepernick's gone. They've moved on from that guy. And without acquiring Kirk Cousins, they're nobody of any real, true quality leading this team on the field. Brian Hoyer is going to be it. And Brian Hoyer's had a couple decent games. He's a moderate quarterback who's best as a long-term backup solution for any team. But right now, he can't be the backup. He has to be the number one guy. His options behind him are Matt Barkley, who has substantially failed as a former first-round draft pick out of USC. C.J. Beathard out of Iowa, a draft pick who could very well end up on the practice squad and is not a long-term solution in the league for anything more than a backup role or maybe number three. That is his career. He's not a substantial passer, does not have the accuracy or the arm. Coming from a team in Iowa that was a run-heavy squad with Akram Wadley and LaShawn Daniels. And fourth on that list is Nick Mullins. Now, he comes from a very pass-heavy school, but he's an undrafted rookie free agent who's a bit small in stature and may not have the strength to stand up and play deep ball in the league. His accuracy is a little bit questionable, tended to throw more picks than what he really should have, and may not make it past the practice squad. Those are their four quarterbacks. Mullins, we expect to go on the practice squad. Beathard could or end up being the number three option in quarterback. Barkley, a substantial failure as an NFL pro. Probably shouldn't even be on roster, but for lack of any better options, he's going to win that number two job. And Hoyer, there's really nobody to compete against him. For almost any one of the other 31 teams in the league, Hoyer would just be a backup. I would say Chicago, where he came from, maybe Houston. There, he could have competed for a number one spot, maybe even held it for a little while, while rookies are up and coming, getting their shit together, getting ready to take over that leadership role. Here in San Francisco, he could and will need to be the number one guy for all 16 games. There's not a rookie to take over, like in Houston where they drafted Deshaun Watson, or in Chicago where they drafted Mitch Trubisky. There's not a solid free agent to try and contend with. Where Chicago again, who we've already talked about, signed uh, Mike Glennon. 
There really is nobody. Hoyer is it. Hoyer has to be it. If he goes down, they're in real, real trouble. Because Barkley, Bethard, Mullins, those are not options. They're they're not. That is just bad news all day, every day. So you don't have the leadership you need at quarterback. You do not have a Matt Ryan on this squad. You also do not have the receivers he needs that Shanahan needs to implement this scheme as he would like. There is no Julio Jones on this team. There is no big-time outside speedy possession threat. Pierre Garçon, as close as it gets, about 6-0 and 190. And he's an outside receiver that had some speed at 30 years of age now, slowing down a bit and is not as productive as what he once was. He's had a few good years. Most of that spent with Washington. Started his career in Indianapolis, playing with Peyton Manning. And at the end, now, he is a guy, a stopgap, to just fill a roster spot and get somebody of some sort of starting quality on this team. Because behind him and Jeremy Curley, another floater, another journeyman, who really would not be starting on almost any other squad in the league, it is Aaron Burbridge, second-year player formerly of Michigan State, Trent Taylor, the rookie out of Louisiana Tech, Aldrick Robinson, a free agent that they signed from Atlanta, so at least somebody on this passing offense is familiar with the scheme that Shannon's trying to put in place, Marquise Goodwin, and maybe Bruce Ellington if he stays on roster. I would see him likely getting scrapped. Goodwin being brought in as a fourth slot receiving option behind Curly, Taylor, and Robinson, predominantly working as a kick returner. There's a lack of quality depth at wide receiver. There's a lack of quality depth at quarterback. And at running back, though there is talent there in rookie Joe Williams of Utah and Carlos Hyde, neither necessarily fits the scheme. Neither are Devonta Freeman or Tevin Coleman. I know maybe it's getting tiresome going back and comparing to Atlanta. That's where Shanahan just came from. That, in some ways, is what he's going to be looking to implement here. So it is fair to continue, you know, contradicting back and forth between the two. Comparing, excuse me, I should have said, between the two. With Joe Williams, you have a solid running back who's a balanced guy. But there's questions there as to whether or not his heart's really in this game. This is a guy who rather abruptly retired than equally as abruptly unretired during his time recently in the collegiate ranks. He'll be competing with Carlos Hyde, a guy who's not as fast as the team would like. He's a bit of a brawler at 6'0 and 235, doesn't have the receiving hands. And with only one year left on his contract, earning $1.1 million, he could even be a cap casualty if it looks like he's not going to beat out Williams for that job. Carlos Hyde should not have any competition whatsoever. But he's a guy who suffered injuries, has suffered a lack of productivity compared to what they expected from him, drafted so high, and now does not fit the scheme at all. If they keep him, they have to, they meaning Shanahan, as the head coach and offensive coordinator, 
has to find a way to use him that'll be conducive to what he does best. Single back or short yardage is probably where his game is, going up the gut and using his strength. Letting Joe Williams be the guy to work between the 20s to get the yardage up and down that field. Find those guys. You got, you got dudes like Tim Hightower, Capri Bibbs, the rookie Matt Breida, an undrafted rookie free agent. None of which figured to be factors. Bibbs was traded for with Denver. Don't know that I even expect him to make the final roster. It's a one-year contract worth 615. He was brought in before the draft. I would expect him to not remain. Hightower, as Carlos Hyde's predominant backup, as that power back, can be in that mix. Again, doesn't necessarily fit the scheme. Doesn't have the speed. Doesn't have the hands. Not with consistency. And at 30 years of age, there's only so long any running back has till he starts to break down. Hightower, a journeyman who's played all over the place, through Arizona, New Orleans, now at San Francisco, may not be able to hold up anymore. And if he is, how productive can he be? You've got a real lack of depth, talent, strength that fits the scheme at running back. Same thing at wide receiver, same thing at quarterback. Facing schedule that is going to be one of the most difficult when it comes to matching up your offense against opponent defenses, rushing and passing. So, despite how talented, how good of a coordinator Kyle Shanahan is, and what he's going to bring to this team, at least for this year, where this group really still does not have the offensive weaponry it needs to put up points, a team that was 32nd in passing last year, 27th in points scored, is going to continue to suffer this year. That is the bad news. You cannot win games without being able to put up points, and this team is going to suffer and suck at putting up points. That's your bad news. Let's put a pin in that for a moment and flip the script. Because I didn't want to start off today dogging 49ers straight on. Because in the end, I don't feel like this is a team you can dog on anymore. Sounds like for everything that's already been talked about, that there is no hope. There is no good news. I argue differently. And I, in fact, argue that the good news substantially outweighs the bad that we just got done harping on. They're going to have trouble putting up points. They're going to lose some games they might have otherwise won if they just had a couple complementary weapons that fit this scheme that can make some things happen. And if ever, if it takes only this next offseason for Shanahan to get a quarterback, to get a receiver, to get a running back, get those three guys, even if they do nothing to improve what is one of the league's worst passing defenses, they will have enough on roster to get double-digit wins and become a playoffs-quality squad. You need those three things, just one of each. Get a starter in each, first, second, third round of the draft, one of free agency, two in the draft. It doesn't matter how it mixes and matches. Those are the key areas. You don't have the offensive weaponry. Everything else, eh, asterisks there. 
that pass defense. Didn't really talk too much about it, but there's a lot of hurt there that needs help. At least they have Eric Reed and the rookie Akilah Witherspoon. So there's some good pieces there. Serviceable pieces, if not quality starters. But maybe a little asterisk because of that pass defense, which still needs some more help there. If they can fix those three things, arguably everywhere else, this team has solidified itself. It had a lot of problem areas, a lot of questions that needed an answer. We talked about them being 32nd pass offense. This team was dead last in three statistical categories we look at, not just in passing offense, but in points allowed last year, 30 points per game. The only team to allow 30-plus points per game. And in rushing defense, where they allowed an astronomical 165.9 yards per game. 165.9. That's never even been heard of. At least not that I can think of. I can't recall another team that allowed 160 yards per game on the ground average. They were 14th in pass defense, allowing 240 yards per game. 19th in sacks, 33 total in the season, 2.1 per game average, and 24th in interceptions, 10 total, for just barely over a one a half of one per game average, 0.6. They were 30th in sacks allowed on offense, 47 total in the season, almost three per game on average, on top of their 32nd ranked passing offense and 27th in points. The only thing they did well was rush on offense. They were ranked fourth, 126 yards per game. But shit, most of that came off of Colin Kaepernick, who's no longer with the team. So there isn't a single area, not a single position that didn't need to be addressed going into this offseason. With an 11-man starting offense, 11 defense, and special teams, it is pretty much impossible to fix everything on your roster when you need everything in a single offseason. San Francisco with new leadership, that front office with John Lynch, coach with Kyle Shanahan, have paired to make a hell of a combo and went out and did as much damage as they could and made a lot of smart decisions to repair everything that they could work on for this offseason. We talked about their areas of problems, but they've got areas of strength as well. This team has one of the top 10, number 8 on our board, pass rushing units in the league, and they could easily jump into the top 5 by season's end. Additions of Solomon Thomas, the pass rushing defensive end, who can play multiple schemes. He can be inside or outside, 34-43, nickel, Quarter, it doesn't matter. He can do it all. First round draft pick out of Stanford. He's a locked and loaded guaranteed starter and will see the majority time on that field easily. Pairing him up with guys like DeForest Buckner, Ark Armstead, high round draft picks over the last few years. They have a solid group on that front line now. They signed Earl Mitchell as a depth guy. They had Quentin Dial already on roster. There's enough rotational pieces. Enough quality rotational pieces there and starting caliber players to front a front three or front four, depending on the base scheme, 
to be of a legitimate threat. And it's not just what they have in their front four, their front line. It's what they have in their front seven in total. Because on top of Thomas, they went out and grabbed Reuben Foster, a leader at linebacker for Alabama, a perennial championship caliber, if not championship competing squad, and paired him up with some veteran guys in Malcolm Smith, who spent the last couple years in Oakland, and Elvis Doomerville, a pass rush specialist who spent the majority of his career in Denver and recently Baltimore. Now, Doomerville is really not going to be much more at this point than an occasional pass rusher, maybe a run stuffer or blitzer. He won't be out there for the majority of the game. He'll be out there for key situations. Malcolm Smith, similarly, inside linebacker, can play inside or outside. He, like Foster, will pair for a couple undersized, fast, interior linebackers who can get around the edge and create solid mismatches in blitzing schemes and in passing downs, dropping back in coverage. With Thomas, Foster, Smith, Dumerville, plus the players they already had on roster, like Ahmad Brooks, like Navarro Bowman, and the other guys on front, Forrest Buckner, Ark Armstead, Earl Mitchell, Quinn Dial. There is a solid depth of talent and quality of production in this front seven. It wouldn't matter necessarily, just as we said, on the negative side, talking about how bad the offense was or is, that it wouldn't have mattered the strength of opponent defenses they were going to see, whether they were tops or worse, that they just don't have enough strength on roster to really take advantage of it. To the flip, the opposite is true here. They are so deep and so strong on their front seven now that it almost wouldn't matter how strong an opponent was, they'd still be able to take advantage of them. That being said, though, they see substantial favor this season against opponent offensive lines and pass rushers where they're top five easiest ranking in both. Offensive lines receive a grade of 3.41 on our board, ranked number 29, or better known as fourth easiest matchup schedule in the league. And in regards to pass rushers, a 3.28 grade, number 28, fifth easiest schedule. So that front seven on their defense should have a hell of a season going up against some rather questionable offensive lines. Teams they could take advantage of in Carolina, Seattle, who they see twice, the LA Rams, who they see twice, even Arizona, who's got some areas of concern, Indianapolis, Philly, the New York Giants, Chicago, Houston, and Jacksonville. That only leaves about three teams who have strong enough O-lines. Washington, Dallas would be in that mix, and Tennessee would be the other one. Only three games, three teams in all their matchups this season where they might not see a whole lot of pressure their way. Otherwise, that pass rushing front seven should be able to have their way. Two, three sacks a game, plus tackles for loss, plus hurries and hits. 
creating chaos on opponent quarterbacks and opponent offensive lines. They can do maybe not quite the same damage this team once was able to do when it was Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, Alden Smith, Ahmad Brooks, all in their prime, all kicking ass. But they're going to be really close. Just too talented, just too deep. Now with what they've added through free agency in the draft. And on the offensive line, their favor, they're going to see some pass rushers. You know they will. We've already mentioned teams like Carolina, Seattle, the L.A. Rams, Arizona. Seattle, Arizona, and the Rams they see twice a year. But their O-line has done enough to get strong enough. They've got Staley, Brown, Beatles, Garnett. They had a decent O-line as it already was. Did not perform well last year, but injuries kind of played a factor into that. Now they've got some better depth in reserves in Gary Gilliam, the rookie Daryl Williams Jr., an undrafted rookie for agent from Louisiana Tech. Eric Magnuson, another UDFA from Michigan. Brandon Fusco, Tim Barnes, two guys who they signed through free agency that both could be starters if they needed to be. And they made a trade for one of the better centers, better O-linemen in the league in Jeremy Zuta. A dude who's played almost everywhere on that O-line through his career for teams like Tampa Bay and Baltimore. Now comes to San Francisco, will be the starting center, and is a top 10, if not maybe top 5 center in the league right now. A team that was 30th in sacks last season should easily be able to jump into the mid-teens. We look at their offensive line as probably finishing off the season somewhere right around middle of the pack at number 16. And it still doesn't equate to them being a top 12, top 10 team, nor being a playoff caliber team, but it is a major improvement off of being 30th in the league. 2.9 sacks per game allowed last season could easily allow two or just under that at around 1.8, 1.9. A big jump in what they produced last year in the trenches, offense and defense. And getting that kind of protection up front, even if it's only some reserve pieces and a quality starter center, the health of the guys they had last year coming back, getting stronger, getting ready to go. If it's just minute additions, it's enough. Giving the favor of schedule they're going to see against opponent pass rushing groups that they can improve and they can start to make up the difference a little bit for what this team's going to lack on that offense. Better O-line is better running lanes for what is otherwise one of the mediocre, if not weaker, running back groups in the league. It's also better protection for what is, without question, one of the weakest, if not the weakest, passing offense in the league. 32nd last year could be right around those same uh, Reigns again, we have them 26th in the league this year. They went out and they worked their O-line. They worked that front seven on defense. They even added, as we mentioned earlier, a key piece in that defensive passing game. Still a weak unit overall, but at least you've got a quality starting corner now and a killer Weatherspoon. With Eric Reed at safety, Jaquiski Tart likely taking over that strong safety spot. It is a serviceable group. Not a middle pack, 
Not a top range, but at least a serviceable group. You get another quality corner to pair with Witherspoon next season. Stop messing around with guys like Jimmy Ward, Will Redman, and maybe a quality strong safety to compete with Jaquiski Tart for that starting spot. And now this defense is looking like a solid 11-man unit. A lot of good things with Lynch and Shanahan in leadership for this team that took this squad from on our board last year, number 32, the only team we saw likely going goose egg on the season at 0-16, to now being at least a 6-10 team with a six-game win range. Not going to go as high as 12, but not going to go goose egg again, or at least not going to be a threat for goose egg for 0-16. Likely sitting at 6-10, maybe as high as 8-8, eight and eight, and a big leap forward from the actual 2-14 season that they had. They did enough this offseason that going into next year, you work that offense, maybe add a little bit of competition on the O-line, get that receiver, that running back, that quarterback, your trio. And if nothing else is attended to, they are a major threat. We said it about Oakland a couple years back as they were rebuilding, that it was coming and coming quick, and it happened. We've said it about Cleveland. We've said it about Jacksonville. And though neither team has necessarily responded in wins, each has started to improve in some key areas. This is going to be that kind of season for San Francisco. Their overall record may not jump too much. They're still going to be under 500. They're still going to be one of the 10 worst teams in the league. But it's a building block kind of season, and it gets them ready to be a threat for years to come. Look for San Francisco to get at least the six wins we're talking about, maybe even threaten for 500 club. And they are well set up with the right leadership now on their coach, on their GM, on that field, in key places, at defense. They can become the team they once were under Jim Harbaugh. And that's saying a lot because those were really Deep, strong teams that pounded the hell out of people. The kind of team that was able to get to a Super Bowl. May not have gone their way. But damn it, if they weren't the second best team in the league, not but just a few years ago. We're not too far from them at least being a contender to own that kind of title yet again. All right. That's it for today. More upcoming fantasy ranks. Moving on to tight ends and offensive line in the next few days. Back to our power rankings, number 26 on our board up next. As we keep moving along this offseason through the summer, pumping out so much information. I am Michael James with the pre-snap read. Saying thank you for tuning in. If you've missed anything, you want more information on San Francisco, you want to take a look at the teams we've already talked about, like the Giants, Lions, Bears, Jets, and Rams. All of that's available on the website, thepresnapread.com. Go there and get what you need today. I thank you for tuning in. Stick with us. A lot more yet coming up. And we'll see you next time.